Welcome, everybody, to Rooster Team Radio, uh, the anchor show that talks about a lot of fun stuff Rooster Teeth related. Woo! Um, I'm joined by, by a fabulous team. My name is Megan Salinas, and with me, as always, is Mark Donica. Hi, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing today, Mark? Conflicted. Yeah! <laughs> this I is think- oddly cheery. <laughs> I don't know how to turn off the hosty voice. <laughs> and also with me is Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. <laughs> I'm so accustomed to being like bouncy and happy when um, when I do my normal intros um, that this is this is kind of a little bit of a weird one. Um, Stacy Shuttles, of course, uh, or Stacy Shuttleworth can't join us today uh, because she is currently in. Uh, Japan. Japan. Um, but uh, if you're not currently following her at Stacy Shuttles, you guys should definitely check that out and check out all her fun pictures. It looks like she had an absolutely phenomenal trip. Um, and yeah, my cheery mood is sort of out of, like... Incongruous. Con- incongruous with what we're talking about today because... Um, it while uh, while I was out of town last week um, traveling for the holiday, uh, you know, a lot of news was going around on Twitter and on Reddit, um, and so we we decided to get together and talk about this particular issue, and that is uh, Rooster Teeth glass door ratings, and this is. This is definitely an issue where we were like, we we need to talk about this. This is something, you know, obviously the work that this company does is very important to us. Um, you know, we here at Rooster Team Radio, like we spend a lot of time really enjoying and deconstructing a lot of the work that this studio puts out. And so when news like this happens and when the company makes a response in the way that they did... I kind of felt like we had an obligation to kind of give our two cents as well. Yeah, and before we get started on this, I feel like we need to lay a little groundwork because I think there are some things that are obvious to us that may not be as obvious to our audience. Um, as a good number of you well know, we are friends with some of the people involved. We've interviewed some of them extensively. We have prof- we have sirens. Yeah, we <laughs> we have cops outside. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Cheese it, it's the fuzz. So for people who might not have context for what we are referring to today, uh, the story that we are talking about was um, last week, like I said, when I was on vacation, uh, the story came out about Rooster Teeth's reviews on Glassdoor, um, and it started going around on Twitter and on Reddit that... um, their animators were not being properly compensated for their work. A lot of um, unfair workplace treatment conditions. Um, and according to Glassdoor, uh, you know, animators were being paid, uh, weren't being paid for many, many hours of overtime. Um, and it was kind of sort of estimated that about one third of Ruby was technically done for free because animators weren't being paid for proper overtime. And um, on Twitter, uh, Jordan Whitman, the, the creator of Nomad of Nowhere, kind of confirmed a lot of these rumors and um, in basically said that there were a lot of promises of like, we're going to get better, we're going to get better, and that no change would ever actually be implemented. 
Um, and so there, there's a huge long Reddit thread about these Glassdoor reviews, and you can go on Reddit to take a look at those for yourself. Um, so that's kind of what we're discussing here today. As some of you may well know, we are friends with some of the people involved. We have a professional relationship with them. We've talked with them. We've interviewed them. We have, uh, we're more than just two ships passing in the night, if you will. That said, there's a difference between being friends with people who work at a company and being able to look at the company culture and the accusations made. Additionally, we have exactly zero insider information on this. We have not discussed this with any of the people that we know. We didn't know anything about this before the Glassdoor posts and the Reddit posts and all of that fun stuff. Like, we are discussing this from the outside looking in. We have no special insider information or news to break or anything like that. We are a press outlet that is also fans of the company. And we are presenting our take on this information. It is not meant to be an attack on the company or anyone working there. It is not meant to be an attack on anyone who used to work there or anyone involved in the discussion or any of the fans. We're not going to tell you what you should think or what you should do. We're simply going to discuss what we think and what we feel. That's all. Part of part of the reason why we, we think we're qualified to talk about this situation is more so that we've been intently following this content for years for ever ever since like i one would say we'll see so season two of ruby and just a little bit before that with with red versus blue we've been for production purposes for press purposes for media purposes closely keeping an eye on scheduling and presentation and characters actors all sorts of a stuff all, all, all sorts of that nature and i think it's that experience that allows us to speak on something like this as well as we are fans of various various animation styles and animation companies and and animated shows so going off of other sort of pipelines and things of that nature and just sort of the the entire nature of the 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 division of animation that's not the that the the art of animation um i think allows us to speak a little bit more about this than than others we know a thing or two about the animation industry despite the fact that as far as i know none of us are directly employed by it no um but yeah and to to that end, so yeah, we just as housekeeping, obviously we we have like we've always been treated very kindly by everybody at Rooster Teeth involved. Um, you know, it's it's been we've had a very courteous relationship with them, and a lot of the the people that we've taken the time to interview have been very gracious and generous with their times. The the actors, the writers, and producers, people involved with those shows again and we are exceedingly grateful for that um so we want to kind of put all of that aside and just you know point that out that yeah that is the the context in which we are having this discussion um so yeah on on that note um guys what was your reaction when you saw this news um 
just in in general because like yeah I don't really have a whole lot of discussion topics planned out for today I'm kind of more looking at this as like how do we process um how do we process what we what what this story is about I feel like this is something that has been I hesitate to say like it's been a bit of a joke because that's not the tone that I'm going for but it's been one of those open secret sort of things just in terms of how hard does Rooster Teeth animation work. As much as I hesitate to play the Monty card, there were those stories about, you know, he'd go in, he'd work a full day, he'd go home and sleep, and then he'd come back in bright and early before everyone else because he was so into it. And, you know, that's some people absolutely choose to do that. Some people are passionate enough about what they do, what they're doing that they make those choices. And so we'd be like, do you guys sleep? Are you guys okay? Like, you know, it's all concerned fans and joking. And for it to be framed this way, it's harder to look at it this way and know that, okay, we've been making these jokes for a couple years. Okay, this is uh, not everyone wants to work 60 hours a week. Not everyone wants to do this. Not everyone is on the same page or offered the same benefits or able to do the same thing or have the same investment of their time or work-life balance. Like, it's one thing to see a known name have that much passion for their creation and to encourage that and also encourage self-care. And another thing to know that people that we don't get to see outside of a Twitter feed and a name in the credits aren't nearly as happy with the animation pipeline work culture at Rooster Teeth. And I make jokes about this when lecturing other people about the animation industry. Like, what, you expect a season to be turned around in a year? This isn't Rooster Teeth. This is this is DreamWorks. This is this other company. This is a company that has an extremely long animation pipeline, always kind of putting Rooster Teeth up as the exception to the rule. And then seeing this is what being the exception to the rule looks like from the inside is, uh, well, maybe they should start being the rule. Yeah. Um, one of my main things that, that I took away from this is pay your artists. Like it's something that's been going around on the internet for independent artists. Now you shouldn't be treating somebody who, who works for, a company that produces stuff that goes worldwide as an independent contractor. And I'd, I'd say all business, I'd say all animation studios, I'd say all there, there's a lot of work that like you free work and free labor and cheap labor is something that every industry wants to get. And I, I was hoping that, or I had always hoped that, or as I should say, I was always under the impression that Rooster Teeth was above all that and it was very familial and very this and very that. But ultimately, you got to pay your people because if, if, if people can't feed their families, if people can't feed themselves, if people don't have a place to live, then how do you expect them to do any sort of work? And I, I would just... You look at a company, and, and this may be a little bit too local of a jab, but you look at a company like In-N-Out. It's a fast food chain that has a very small workspace, a very popular fan base, but all of their employees are well taken care of. They are fed. 
They are well-paid. There are programs in place for advancement and education. And people want to work at In-N-Out because of the environment that it presents. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have folks here at Rooster Teeth, which is this 15-plus-year web web mutation there i just spooner is spoonerismed the word web mutation of being this exa- stellar example of where fans and and talent collide where fans of red versus blue made this show fans of anime made ruby or i'm sorry fans of halo made red versus blue fans of anime made ruby fans of saturday morning cartoons made camp camp etc on and on and on and on so you you have this you present this environment and you have these voices that are front and center representing the team and i would say through um uh, oh god, what was it called? Um, what was the what was the anime show called that they did? The the anime review show. Oh, uh, fan service. Yeah, you. So on fan service, it was Gray, Carrie, Issa, Miles, Austin, and some uh, Cole, and sometimes other members of the animation team, and you would see how exhausted they were and i i would like to think that that show got canceled less for ratings and more for we don't have the time to do that and it's one of the one of the issues that no no yeah upon first first upon first reaction you know disappointed but there was some stuff to come out of it that made me feel a little better about the situation, but not necessarily for those artists. And I hope that those artists, whether they make themselves known publicly or to other animation studios, I hope that they can get picked up and taken care of like they deserve. There was also an official reply from Rooster Teeth. For one, Gray is going to step down as the head of the department and instead continue on in a solely creative role, if I'm remembering this correctly. And Rooster Teeth is going to work to find someone who has experience in management to take over the head of animation. And they're actually working with the head of women in animation in order to do this. They also said that, again, changes are going to come down the line and that gray moving was the first big one. So we'll see. They also said that the the gray move was something that had been planned for a little while. And whether people want to believe that or not is up to them. But um, I have I have a bit of a theory if, if you wouldn't mind me going off on it. Please do. Um, yeah, sure. Go for it. So I, I believe, I do believe that gray moving is something that has been in the pipeline and them finding a proper replacement is something that has been in the pipeline for a couple of reasons looking it's something that we've been talking about sort of with no end in sight for a while of there's shows that are missing when is this going to happen where was this on the schedule uh, actually yeah ever since they, they started announcing the slates of this year we noticed where's nomad we noticed when's ruby chibi coming back when's this when's that and it it sort of started with genlock and if you look at genlock and notice all of the different animation studios that 
helped make that a reality. I I usually go to the the thing that that reminded me of, I should say, is when Masahiro Sakurai from uh from Nintendo from Sora was developing we the Wii U and 3DS Smash Brothers. They went to uh Bandai Namco to help sort of labor the load because they knew it was a big project and they had they had a short time frame in order to get it out. So going off of that, that told me that Rooster Teeth needed a lot more help than was initially suggested to finish Genlock in order to get Genlock out on time. And due to that production schedule and how hard that production schedule was, we have no sort of indicator of when Genlock's going to come back. Will it come back? Probably. Do we know when? Probably not. I would say maybe 2021. But then Red versus Blue, shorter season. Uh, Camp Camp, a little bit longer season, but a lot of the same assets. So you don't need to develop, you don't need to spend a lot of time making a lot of new, like super new stuff. Not to say that they're rehashing a lot of old stuff, blah, blah, blah. So my, my theory is that they finally did take the the stuff seriously months ago maybe mid to late 2018 and they started the process of okay well what should gray do maybe he goes into creative and then we have somebody they that process starts and in the interim they don't go as hard and heavy with um production and but of course genlock happened but so you do a shorter season of red versus blue you do uh, a longer season of Camp Camp with no indicator of any of Nomad coming in. We'll get to Nomad when we get to Nomad. And then the other big tentpole of the year is Ruby. Now, I, I went back because I, I could have sworn I heard, heard something. Um, Carrie has been finishing writing stuff for Ruby, for Ruby 7. And... What that tells me, not just like, oh, time to start writing Ruby 7, but what that tells me is they're trying to start Ruby production earlier than usual so that it doesn't get to that stage that is reported on the Glassdoor article. So I think they were already starting to make changes, slow changes and not public changes, but as stuff was starting to take form, that's when they start to make that would have been when they start to make their announcements about the new leadership when they make new announcements about pipelines and once they had that new position filled they could have figured out where all of their other brands fit in and then gone from there that's sort of the theory that i was pulling from this thing but I, but i don't know what what about y'all i'd say that's a pretty solid theory for me the one thing it doesn't address and i don't know if we've talked about that yet here is one of the complaints was freelancers being told that they would be hired full-time after a certain amount of time, and that promise continually falling through for freelancers, for contractors, for people who weren't already full-time. So they're working these crazy hours with the promise of, you know, full-time and all the benefits that come with it, and then at the end of their contingency, it's, oh, well, eh, bye, which to me is something I have a pretty big problem with because you don't, there's a difference between temp and temp to hire. And you don't tell someone that they're temp to hire and then be like, lol, JK, that's, that sucks. And I don't know 
how far that is, how many people that affected, who was making those promises, what the actual conversations were, because again, all we have to go on is the Glassdoor reviews and everyone's take on their own situation versus someone else's situation versus a third party is going to be different. So I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, well, they're a terrible company because this and that and the other. But I am going to say if that's actually what was happening, that's some bullshit. Yeah, agreed. Um, I I have some I, <laughs> I have some personal thoughts on that. Um I am actually currently a contractor at my company and um when I was first hired on um it I was hired and I was told we want to make you staff within the next 2 months. And it's since been over 2 years and I'm still a contracted employee. Um, I, I, my, my point in saying that isn't that I feel vindictive towards my current employers. No, um, because I know that my bosses have been doing everything they can in order to make me and the other contractors that are, are working in our group staff, like my, my bosses have been have been working very, very hard to try to make that happen for the entirety of the time that I've been working here. And the the issue isn't that my immediate managers don't, like, are, are stringing me along. That's not the case at all. The, the fact of the matter is in terms of, like, the corporate structure in which Sony currently has our department yeah i it's oh, okay. public it's public information that i work at sony i have okay, it on my twitter I, I no sure. it's okay um but the way our current department is structured that like and maybe again maybe i'm providing a little too much personal information about my day-to-day but we all we all work in entertainment in some capacity and i feel like it's important to provide that context for my point of view um the way our corporate structure is entity uh, entity is structured for our department, a lot of our department heads were allocated to another group, and we had to wait for those department heads to become available for me to become staff, and that's a thing that hasn't happened yet. That's not the fault of my manager. That's not the fault of his boss, again, who have been working very hard to try to make it happen for me and my cohorts, but it's a fact of corporate that's just a fact of the corporation that we work for and that's the way that corporation is structured and do i find that annoying yeah does that mean that it's my immediate manager's fault no they're they're doing the best that they can and what i find is i think an interesting aspect of this issue is that very thing the humanity of the situation um versus the 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 fact of like this is how corporations work does that make it right no um but it is kind of it is an it is a component to the conversation um and to that point rooster teeth is a company and we've had this discussion before companies have to make choices that are good for the business quote unquote um and you know occasionally they make good decisions like um we we had a discussion about it um uh, several months ago when allegations about Vic Mignogna came out and Rooster Teeth made the 
decision to cut ties with him. And we all were in favor of that decision. Um, We felt like that was a good business practice for them. And so because it's important for corporations because of the power that they wield to make ethical decisions. And a lot of corporations don't do that. So we were all in favor of that decision. Um, And now that this information has come out, it's like, oh, okay, it's time for another ethical decision time. And um, the other thing, you know, Rooster Teeth is not just a company, it is a component of another corporation. Rooster Teeth was bought out by Fullscreen several years ago, and Fullscreen is owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers is owned by AT&T. So I'm wondering if a lot of these issues weren't necessarily just kind of the way parent companies work in terms of, again, how you structure your corporate entities. And I have a theory as well, and I can't take credit for this theory, um, I, I was, you know, after the news came out, I started looking at, um, various internet responses and there's a YouTube channel called Clownfish TV that was discussing this and they discussed it with a considerable amount, more amount of salt than I found particularly necessary. Um, and so I don't, I, I'm not watching any of their other stuff, but I, I was looking for other perspectives on this particular discussion topic. And so I listened to their responses and they actually came up with a fairly decent theory that um, I want to present here. And that's because Rooster Teeth is owned by Fullscreen, which was bought out by Warner Brothers, which was bought out by AT&T. You know, again, there's a, there's a, a corporate hierarchy there. And one of the things that they postulated was that AT&T is very tight-fisted with... Um, with their their company and their bottom line. And Warner Brothers currently has several animation studios under their umbrella, and there's potential talk about consolidating those, those companies, um, which is something that happens when there are a lot of corporate mergers. Um, and, you know, it's like they, like from the top level, a corporation can see it as, you know, oh, we have redundancies here. Why do we need multiple animation studios when we can just have one? Um, and, you know, there are pros and cons to that approach, especially when you're looking at it at like a huge macro level like that. And so it's entirely possible that there's been, you know, uh, things in the works for some time to go ahead and consolidate a lot of these groups. And that might have played a part in sort of the the corporate culture. And I, I don't necessarily know if that's true. Again, this is all conjecture. Um, but having worked for several corporations myself and having been kind of subject to those consolidations at one point or another, I, I also, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a component of it. Well, and yeah. I think part of this is culture clash. Where Rooster Teeth started as a very small company, very fan-facing, very easy to get in t- contact with people. And the thing is, it's not anymore. It is a much larger company, and it is, like you said, owned by larger corporations. 
The thing is, when we look at something like Disney acquiring Fox, we look at things like that like, oh, it's a big corporate merger. And we, we kind of take a step back and do like a third person view of it, looking at the larger strokes of, well, what does it mean that these two companies are doing this? We don't really look at it like, oh, well, you know, Disney's been friendly to me or whatever. Like, we don't have that friendly relationship with Disney. But... The fans still see Rooster Teeth as this small mom and pop company that, you know, we know everyone and they have a lot of presence for their fans. We know all the people who work on things by name. We're able to follow them on Twitter. We're occasionally able to talk with them. And that isn't necessarily accurate to Rooster Teeth's workings anymore. Rooster Teeth continues to present a very fan-friendly company. But because they're larger, because they're now owned by larger corporations, I would say that they're no longer able to completely follow up with that. Things have changed, and you're wearing a coat that maybe doesn't fit as well anymore. It, it feels like they've been trying to maintain that veneer for quite some time, and people are so stoked and excited to meet the people that make their favorite stuff that they're not thinking about what that mean like not necessarily what it means to meet them but how much it took for that person to be at that particular meet and greet like you look at some of the you just look at how rtx has changed and evolved and and how being able to see people has grown and changed and evolved or i, I won't say grown i'll say has sort of shrunk to where now one either People are working on so many things that they don't have time to just walk around on the floor. Two, they're relegated to only their autograph sessions, which is fine. That's that's what a ma- that's what major conventions are as well. Or three, the level of talent that they have now is so high that opening up that door would be irresponsible. Like I can remember it was VidCon years ago. I think it was VidCon 3 where, wow, I even forgot his name. Goodness me. I'll just say a top level YouTuber, like a, a, a stratosphere level YouTuber just wanted to walk the floor and was immediately mobbed. And I'm not using that word lightly. Immediately mobbed to the point where a bodyguard ran over picked them up like a child and ran and ran oh. them into the back. Wow. And and I there were similar mob scenes where it's like it's like the be- it's it was like Beatlemania but Tubermania I guess where these these fans were screaming and hounding all of these these people that are just trying to be a part of their a, a part of their world. Now, that's not me saying that I I that I'm blaming the fans for all of this, but that's me saying agreeing that the audience has gotten so big and the response has gotten so big and their responsibilities have gotten so big that attempting to be that open is kind of disingenuous. Maybe not disingenuous. Disingenuous is a bad word to use, but but it's it's not you can't keep it up. It's unrealistic. It's not sustainable. It's no longer accurate. I will say in terms of meeting people at RTX, for one, 
we have to give kudos to the Guardians because the Guardians are the people that prevent those mob scenes from happening at RTX. And I just have to say kudos to them. They're all volunteers and they are all absolutely amazing. If you're going to RTX, thank your Guardians, all of them. Every time you see one, they are giving up their weekends to make your con experience the best it can be. That said, I've also seen, I was hanging out at a booth somewhere at RTX, I don't remember where, but I saw Bernie come out of the back with their assigned, with his assigned guardian, and the line to meet him capped in five minutes flat. Like the guardian was standing, there was another guardian standing at the end of the line with a little whiteboard saying, this line is capped, and having to turn people away. And to the guest's credit, they'd say, oh, the line is capped. Oh, well, I missed it. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well. And then they left. No one tried to, like, insist or push anything. But it was still just, it's that kind of thing. You're Johnny on the spot. You're lucky. And thank God the Guardians are there to prevent those mobs. Um, Yeah, I just do think part of the reason that everyone's so upset by this, and I mean, obviously, the largest reason is... These are people that are being overworked and underpaid and they're not good working conditions. And yeah, you know, the reasons we're upset. The extra dimension to that is that because Rooster Teeth continues to cultivate the we're open to our fans, we meet people, we're a very personable company image, we all feel closer to them and we all feel personally betrayed that this company that we love and support and know people in is employing practices like this. Again, it's the difference where you hear, like, say, Disney doing something like this. You go, oh, God damn it, Disney. Fucking corporations, I swear to God. But for Rooster Teeth, it's like, I trusted you. You were the chosen one. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. So again, the closer you feel to a company, the more betrayed you are when you realize that, like a lot of companies, they pull some bullshit. So I think that is part of what's going on here. Very true. Um Something else I wanted to pull along those lines from um, Hollum's uh, apology was the very, very corporate sounding. Um, we acknowledge that we could have better managed our animation pipeline and we apologize to all the who have been affected. And that's the end of it. No, no word on like possibly reparations yeah, or any, any sort of, um, late pay or anything that could be provided for all of that stuff, which is unfortunate, but also speaking something, sorry, something that, that I, I feel like this is going back a little bit, but I, I had a thought since we were talking about RTX, uh, Megan, you brought up the theory about the corporate sort of breakdown. And um, I, I think there could be a little bit more credence to that because there was a, there was an announcement that came out on June 21st that um, they're not going to be live streaming their panels from RTX this year. And so, and so I was, I, I was initially upset because that was going to be my window into RTX's. The rest of us were probably going to be as well, but they later announced that they couldn't secure a streaming partner. And now I'm wondering does AT&T have an issue with Microsoft? Does AT&T have an issue with Amazon or anything like that? Because Twitch was their major streaming partner two years ago and Mixer was their main streaming partner last year. And so if AT&T may have a problem with one of their brands working with either of them, 
then that creates the problem. And now our te- now Rooster Teeth looks like the bad guy because they're not as open as they were in years previous. And then these would be decisions that would come from further up the line that maybe Rooster Teeth is not allowed to disclose. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you, you throw your superiors under the bus, suddenly you're out of a job. Yeah, and regardless, all of this has to change. Like we're not we're not trying to present a situation where the the company is right and this and that. Artists need to be paid, taken care of, yes. and the 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 entire industry needs to change because crunch culture sucks. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're we, yeah we're we're absolutely not um, making excuses for anybody. We're just looking for an explanation, and a lot of times. The explanation for things like this, especially in corporate America, is that when decisions that affect hundreds and thousands of people's lives and their livelihood are often made by somebody far, far removed who doesn't look at these things as affecting people, but is looking at it as numbers on a balance sheet. If you've ever seen Christmas Vacation, that's kind of the crux of the end of the movie is the main CEO cutting Christmas bonuses for the employees and a lot of the employees just getting shortchanged by that because they didn't know. And it was 100% a number crunching thing as opposed to a people thing. So it's, you know, things work out a little easier in a Chevy Chase family comedy, but... Huh. Yeah, and... um you're you're you you bring up a good point katie in terms of like the feeling of betrayal in terms of why people are upset about this um and i had a conversation with my co-host on the other podcast that i do um uh no love lost uh i had a conversation with my co-host will link in terms of whether or not creators owe anything to their audiences and we, we had a discussion about whether or not they owe anything to society. And, you know, as storytellers, do you owe anything to your audience? Is the audience owed anything? Because there there's a lot of there's a lot of entitlement in media consumption these days. Um, you know, if change.org petitions about changing endings are are anything to go off of. But something that I kind of brought into the discussion is that that dynamic and that sort of relationship changes starts to change the conversation changes when money is involved and for for companies like like rooster teeth and in even for people who are are you know in terms of patreon culture like i personally feel like when somebody is directly investing in you you owe it to them to create the best product that you can, but you also owe it to, you know, to treat everybody on your team fairly. I'll, I'll use us as an example. We have people who who support us financially, and I feel like we have a responsibility to them to create good content, um, but we also have a responsibility to one another to do our best and to to work hard and to to make ourselves available when we can is that the end all be all of all of our lives no but like again because we have people who who support us i feel that responsibility to them and i i feel exceedingly grateful to them for that support and so i want to do everything we can to to make it worth their while and i feel like patreon culture very much ties into that um I think this is also a tie-in to 
again, we're looking at internet culture and via Twitter and social media, people being more accessible and therefore that leading to them believing that it's okay if I say, hey, I didn't like your work or thinking that they can directly contact someone and have their voice be heard and make a difference when maybe they don't understand that, you know, an, a, a normal animation pipeline takes two to three or more years. The thing that you're so mad about that you want to change, the animation on that was done two and a half years ago. Sorry. But, but like I tweeted that. the showrunner and it didn't change. Oh, uh, you know, that, ma that makes them a bad person. No, that's, so that's not how that works. Some of it is feeling that because you are able to directly connect someone that you should have an influence. And again, this is a larger culture thing. And we go right back to Rooster Teeth, a company that has cultivated that idea, not that the fans can make a difference in what they produce, but that the fans have a connection with the company. And so we go back to fans feeling that their opinion will make a difference, fans feeling that they have been betrayed when these things happen. Like, we're going back to connection with the people that produce your media and how that makes you feel about it and how that changes how you view your media. So back to the subject at hand, I do think it's more of a personal connection that caused this feeling of betrayal, but we still have to understand that Rooster Teeth is a company, and occasionally companies do shady things, especially when they are owned by larger companies who cannot see the people for the bottom line, as opposed to the forest for the trees. So that's, I don't know how much further we're going to get on this conversation without casting an extremely wide net about the internet as a whole. But I think we've made our feelings on the issue fairly clear. Well, I I do want to say just this isn't isolated simply to the animation industry. Oh, no. This is, again, it doesn't make it right, but it's also not an isolated incident. This is the video game industry, as, as Mark pointed out, um, you know, cu crunch culture. It's especially egregious in video game and in animation, but entertainment as a whole has always sort of had a history of not necessarily having the best practices. Um, film and television has had a long, sordid history. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why unions became a, a very important thing. And something that a lot of people who are just starting out in the entertainment industry come to learn very quickly is, um, you know, there's always somebody willing to do what you do for less. Because a lot of people want to work in entertainment and a lot of people, you know, are willing to are willing to do whatever um, in order to in order to get their foot in the door. They're willing to undersell their own worth and the worth of their work in order to get to where they think they want to be into an industry that they think is more glamorous than it actually is, depending on what parts of it you're working in. And that does undersell, yeah, the people who know what they're worth, know what their talent can produce, and refuse to work for less because you have to pay rent, goddammit. It's like strike breakers. Yeah. It's, uh, so again, just speaking out of personal experience, it's, it's something you come to find, I think, when you get older too, just like knowing your own value and knowing what you're worth. Um, 
you know, you're you're at a very different place than when you're like an intern starting out. Like, and the industry is changing. Like when I was in college, I was not paid for my internship. Um, like that was all just college credit, even though it's illegal not to pay your interns in the state of California. Um, and then when I entered the working force, the company that I worked with, they did pay their interns. And I, I was kind of like, where was this, <laughs> you know, four years ago? What the heck? Um, so I, the industry is changing and I'm, I'm hoping that it's changing for the better. But again, given the way a lot of deregulation legislation is going on um, and, you know, companies are allowed to get bigger and allowed to to do what they want with less accountability um like i don't know if i don't think the the future changes are going to be for the better and again not not in any way shape or form to make excuses for the way animators are being treated they absolutely should be paid for what they're worth but i am saying that this is a larger this is bigger than just the way Rooster Treat is treating their employees. Um, like I said, all of anima- all of animation, all of the entertainment industry kind of needs to be overhauled, in my opinion. And that's why it's really important for things like unions and why it's really important for things like corporate regulations um, to be put into place. And so uh, what I, the long and short of what I'm saying is vote in November <laughs> because a lot of people who are making these decisions that, again, will affect the livelihoods of artists and, um, you know, people like us who are doing our best to get by in the day to day. A lot of the people who are making those decisions are in places of political power and they're the ones making decisions for what businesses can and cannot do. And ultimately that that uh, that those decisions have ripple effects that affects everybody at every level of every company in this country. So um, go vote in November is the long and short of that. And I'm sorry, this has sort of gotten away from like the main issue. I'm I just trying <laughs> to bring it back and then you threw it right back out to sea. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm trying though. The, what I'm saying is that this situation doesn't exist in a vacuum and rooster teeth needs to do everything that they can to rectify it. But this is basically just a speck underneath a microscope. And when you pull back, you realize, oh, I'm looking at an entire ecosystem. Ecosystem. And the the system needs to change, but it's every but I don't wanna I don't wanna hand wave this because ultimately every company can make the decision of how they choose to run and Rooster Teeth needs to choose to be better. Mark, do you have any final thoughts <laughs> or any outlandish societal uh, <laughs> topic points that you want to bring up? I'll say abolish the penny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I think we skirted the issue fairly well. Um, and I, I just hope that there's room for change. There's going to be a lot of activism at RTX this year and let's see how they react to it. It will be very interesting to see what gets covered, what gets shown and how much the company actually takes to heart. But that I'm, 
I'm happy that we got to talk about it. I just, I wish Stacy was here. If anybody else, if, if this is a conversation that, that warrants a return, we'll return to it. You know, it's important to have these conversations. And again, it's important for um, fans of this company to call upon the company to do the right thing. That being said, don't attack actors. Don't attack writers. You know, it's, don't attack anybody who's actually worked with Rooster Teeth. Like, it's not... I'm going to go off on a limb and assume that it's not a voice actor's fault if an animator is being mistreated. Yeah. So don't attack people personally because you want the company to change because a lot of times the people that get attacked often have nothing to do with the decisions that the company as a whole makes. You know, kind of looking at Netflix is Evangelion right now. A lot of people are attacking the voice actors for localization choices that were made. And it's like, you you have a right to be angry about this change, but you're directing, <laughs> you're directing it in the wrong place. You're going after people who had a career opportunity and took it. Like, mm, not so much, guys. Again, people who, who had absolutely no decisions, so... No, no, no power in the decision making there. Don't attack people who who had no power in what the what the company chose to do and chose not to do. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's the long and short of that. Um, pay your artists, and that's I think the the long and short of what we have to say. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap it up for the day? No. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking for almost an hour. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we want to hear your thoughts on this conversation too. Again, please be respectful. Please be respectful to the people around you. Please be courteous to us. Um, but we do want to hear your thoughts. Um, so yeah, uh, on that note, Mark, where can people go if they want to find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica, Instagram as well. I'm posting when I can, but um, usually if I have an opinion, I post it. Uh, and uh, you can follow Stacy Shuttleworth at Stacy Shuttles. Um, be sure to go and follow her. She's fantastic. And hopefully she'll be joining us uh, for Camp Camp Counselor's Corner again fairly soon. I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at The Mengua. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a show on YouTube called Silver Screams where I talk about horror things. I do a podcast, as I alluded to earlier, called No Love Lost, um, <laughs> where my co-host Will Link and I talk about Lost. And he loves it, and I don't, and we yell at each other. Uh, and Katie, where can people go if they want to find you? I'm starting to think you forgot about me. I did not. <laughs> I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to Rooster Teeth products, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on another podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. And boy, with Stage 3 rolling around, we have a lot to talk about. So that is on Anchor and all of your podcast locations. So check that out. And of course, be sure to follow the whole team at The Rooster Team on all of the social medias. Um, if you're not already, please subscribe. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so, so much for, um, thank you guys so, so much for, for taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you all next time.